morning. I just want to encourage you really quick, and um, it totally changed when Frank was singing, and you mentioned if you lack anything to come on up, and um, then the word bundle came to mind, and you know what is in a bundle when you go to your insurance agent, and when you go to your insurance agent, and they offer you a bundle, you don't know what all it includes. You might think you're just getting collision and this, but did you know that you probably have towing and all these other things? And so what, it, what an insurance agent does is he assesses to tell you what you're missing out on in your benefits, that what you could have and, and what you're not taking advantage of. And so as believers, do you know what you have and what you aren't taking advantage of? You might think you lack in an area, but... Um, and where I was going to go was Psalm 85, and when I looked this up, it wasn't Psalm 84, so you know it's going to lead into that next week. But it says, Psalm 84, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Well, we know we walk uprightly. Even if we don't in our flesh walk uprightly, he's still not going to withhold any good things because that's what his grace and mercy is. In Psalm 85, it's uh, um, down and long in there. Um, grace and mercy met, and then righteousness and peace kissed, you know, and then from all, I mean, and then it just goes on because what what future held for them and the promises of God, well, we have all that right now, so we might not know, you know, the agency of the Holy Spirit is there to remind us what we have and who we are in our identity. So take advantage of, look in the word, look and see what your bundle is. He's bundled everything for you on the cross and his his death, his resurrection and his ascension and what he's given us through the Holy Spirit. And um, I don't know if you know it or not, but he is your agent. He is your peace. He is your righteousness. He is your sanctification. He gives you glory and peace and joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know, there's all these things. And so when you think that you lack, even when we're coming into a season where, you know, the fall is coming and things and it's a seasonal depression for some people and I'm just going to be honest, I struggle with that, but then I have to encourage myself. Saul, no, you're not going to go there because sometimes when the leaves fall and it's so pretty, I mean, I love summer, I love the heat, the hotter the better for me sometimes, you know, but when the leaves fall off, then you could see a little bit further from what's behind there. Sometimes we get so caught up and we heard this this weekend when we're moving so fast, and I know I'm digressing because he changed it, but uh, we move so fast that we forget to enjoy what's now because we're so worried about what's next, you know? And so, anyway, there's just a lot of good things, and he has for us in every season. Last week, a tr- you're a tree planted by uh, the rivers of living water that you always will bear fruit in any season, you know, so I just want to encourage you to take advantage of the bundle that Jesus provided for us on the cross and his ascension and his resurrection and ascension and um, through through the communion. You know, it's a meal that heals. We don't just have to do it on every third Sunday here. You can do it at home. You can do it every day and just remembering him and what he's done. That's part of your bundle. That's part. I mean, there's more that I'm learning. You know, I mean, you've got healing in his blood and in his broken body. That's what he's done for us. And we need to, the Holy Spirit is our agent, and he's going to remind us. Just open our eyes and our ears, Holy Ghost. Just help us to understand what all we have. Let us see with your vision, God. Anyway, I just wanted to encourage you to take advantage of your bundle. So. (laughs) That's good. Now, get your Bibles out, your smart devices, whatever you're going to use this morning. And as you grab your smart devices, your phones, 
iPhones if you're a believer and Androids if you're an unbeliever. No, I'm just, just joking. And uh, go ahead and just log on to our Facebook and look at what's going on there and tag two or three people, share it with them. Uh, at least one person, share it with them this morning. Uh, if you would, there's folks watch, watching from Oklahoma faithfully. Uh, thank you, Jonathan, and uh, your family. Uh, when I'm in the Big 12, when I'm not rooting for West Virginia, I'm rooting for Ohio State, or Oklahoma State. Uh, Jennifer said she's a Big 10 Ohio State fan. But uh, thank the Lord that West Virginia didn't play anybody yesterday, so they won. I know they did play, but Lisa was saying all day yesterday, My, bless their hearts, they're just getting kicked all over the field. How about the herd? Oh, not much response on that one. I'm trying to get to my scriptures. So. <laughs> Last week we shared about um, the basics or the pillars of our faith, what we believe. Going back to the basics, just making it simple, I want to correct something that I said um, the Lord does not ever call me stupid. I might call myself stupid, and I shouldn't do that. But I said, the Lord said, keep it simple, and I used a word that he never calls me. And I want to correct that because he wouldn't call you that either. He's always going to encourage and build you up and call you who you are, not what you think you are. Come on, somebody. It's going back to the basics and just kind of making it simple. We talked about, you know, the virgin birth, the sinless life of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, and something that Lisa and I listened to yesterday. And I mentioned it last week, and I could have expounded upon it, and sometime we need to expound upon it, but it's very important to understand the ascension and what took place, uh, and especially what took place between uh, you know, his death, burial, resurrection, the 40 days that he was alive and his ascension, a lot of things took place there. And then there's a 10-day period between his ascension uh, between his ascension and Pentecost. But the first breath that the church breathed as an infant was not Pentecost. It was at the ascension. We'll talk about that sometime. But uh, we gave you some of those things, the blood of Christ and healing and some of the things that the, our inheritance. Go back and listen to it. Those are basic pillars that we can lean upon or believe in that are rock solid, the finished work of the cross. And I had a message prepared for this morning, and I was going to kind of go with what we tell you at the beginning of the announcements every week, that Grace Life is a place to believe, be loved, and to belong. And I was going to talk to you. This is back to church Sunday and how you should feel like you belong to the body of Christ, especially here in the local body. Uh, I am just kind of disheartened and brokenhearted to see so many people leaving the local church. Uh, you're here this morning, so I'm not preaching to you. Uh, but there are people watching. There are people that we could inspire, impact, and invite that have left church, and they need to be connected to a local body somewhere. Let me just share with you this, and you can use it as a tool this week. If Jesus had the custom and habit of attending a local church when he was on the planet faithfully, and he is our model, then we should be connected and have a habit or custom of gathering together with the body of Christ. 
But the Lord changed my message, and he told me this morning early that one of the foundational principles or back to the basics that we need to grasp as it would be in any relationship is trust. It doesn't matter what our relationship is, if it's a dating relationship or a marriage, if it is not founded on trust, based in trust, I tell couples all the time in premarital counseling that you are literally depositing into an emotional bank account of each other. And if you make too many withdrawals with no deposits, then trust is lost and that relationship will begin to crumble. Let me tell you something about your father. He trusts you. I mean, if you don't hear anything else this morning, Holy Spirit trusts you so much so that he's given you a free will. If he didn't trust you, he would make you a machine and you would just automatically do whatever he placed in you to do, but he's given you a choice and a free will to make uh, and choose, uh, and that's trust. But we also need to begin to trust him. It's a foundation that if we don't trust him, we won't believe his promises. So uh, the Lord took me to a story. Lisa and I had the privilege of going to hear our mentor in a conference that he holds. He has not held that conference for several years because of COVID, but we went back to Berkeley Springs this week. Uh, wonderful, encouraging, uplifting, inspiring. Uh, Pastor Ben Daly from Calvary Church in Dallas, Texas, preached an awesome word, living above the line or below the line, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the eternal and the temple, and holy butts. Because life has really lived after the butt. If you want to know what somebody thinks about someone else, you know, Darius, he's a great guy and I love him, but now you're getting ready to hear how I really feel about Darius. And then Brad Carter from Wallace, North Carolina, just preached a simple message out of Matthew 11, five S's, incredible, encouraging, uplifting. And then Dr. Howe probably the best that I've heard him preach in, in a long time, uh, that we are architects uh, of the new creation in the earth. It, it was incredible. Um, so thank you for allowing us to go and just getting encouraged and built up so that we can come back refreshed and release into you. But uh, he called on me Friday night to share before the service began, and I shared just a few thoughts that the Holy Spirit had been downloading to me, and then last night for about an hour and a half, he gave me this, and, and really he took me to Exodus, so travel with me to Exodus, the 14th chapter. The word Exodus means a way out. When we get into the Old Testament, and I'm sharing with you from the Old Testament, my assignment is to show you Christ. So in looking at the book of Exodus, we can um, it will indicate to us that we have a way out, and his name is Jesus. Can I get an amen? Uh, at his death, he way, made a way of escape through his resurrection. He gave us a new way of life to escape that old way of life. And we've put off the old man, come on somebody, and we've put on the new man. Um, but in the story of the children of Israel, we find Israel stuck or trapped between the Red Sea and Egypt. And in Exodus, the 14th chapter, verse 3, it points this out, and it says, For Pharaoh will think 
Those Israelites are trapped now between the desert and the sea. If you know the story, God sends Moses as a deliverer, a type and shadow of Christ, our deliverer who will bring us out. But more than Moses, God, because Jesus is greater than Moses, more than Moses, he just wasn't a deliverer to bring them out. He was a Joshua, a Yahshua, who brought us in. I feel that all over me right now. Joshua in the Old Testament brought them into the promised land. Jesus not only is a type and shadow of Moses, but he is the Joshua of the new covenant who has brought us in to himself because we are not looking for a piece of real estate. We find our promise in Jesus. He is our promised land. Now, in a minute I'm going to share with you and we're going to learn three separate things that we can learn from the story hear about the children of Israel and how the Father will guide us through tight spots. Has anybody ever been in a tight spot or in a tight spot right now? Uh, I don't have my bifocals this morning, so if I leave my glasses on, there's just blurry images out there, but I need them when I read the Scripture. Um, so I'm going to stick them right there, and we're going to get through this. So let me ask you something, because I like to ask questions, because I believe questions will spark your thought and you won't walk away saying, Pastor Jamie believes. You'll walk away saying, I need to know what I believe. And you'll search the scripture. And you too will find the one who is a deliverer, a rescuer, who, and who not only has brought you out, but who is bringing you in. What's your response being when you're in a jam? Just reflect and inwardly look. You know, What's your response been? What's been your course of action when you've got in a tight spot, when you're stuck between an immovable Red Sea and an army uh, of your enemy roaring down your back. I'm talking about real people today in real life situations. I'm not talking about a story. We're using the illustration of the story, but I'm talking to you sitting here today, those watching on the internet this morning, those that will listen to the podcast later on, and I'm talking to real people in real life with real situations. What has our response been when we're caught in a jam? Am I the only one that's ever been in a tight spot? And I'm not just talking about tight with my finances, but I'm just talking about life in general. I hope you have discovered by now that church is full of real people with real problems. Aaron and I were talking just before the service started over in the coffee area. It's a great place to fellowship. Would you come out sometime and fellowship with us on Sunday mornings at 9.15 for coffee? Susan does a great job with the breakfast. Mm, I took my biscuit off because I'm on a diet and I just ate the sausage patty and it was still good. <laughs> but we were talking about, about um, people being in a, coming to church and that it's a hospital for the hurting. And Jesus, the great physician, said the well don't need uh, you know, a physician or a place to go, but the sick do. And we, we're a hospital for hurting humanity right now. Sometimes you need an emergency room. Sometimes you need long-term rehabilitation. But whatever it is that you need, I believe God, Jireh, is the supplier. This is a good place to come and start refining those resources. So everybody in the room, everybody listening has been in or will be in a tight spot, a jam, a situation. Um, I've been speaking to a lot of pastors at the conference, people on the telephone, through email, and different um, 
ways that I'm finding out that people are feel stuck right now. They don't know what to do uh, in this um, era of coming out of something that has been a pandemic is what the world has called it in this culture and coming out of that and now so we're facing financial um, situations in our country right now with all of this inflation and all of these things and people are up against a wall but if they turn around on the backside, they they don't want to go back to what we've just came out of you know uh, Lisa told me that yesterday that there's still 400 people a day dying from COVID I don't care what you believe about that. I'm just telling you what statistics are saying. And when people look at these things and they hear various circumstances, they feel stuck between what they're facing in front of them and what they've come out of behind them. Uh, I've noticed that there are three responses. I've asked you what's, what's been your response when you're in a jam, when you're in a tight spot. I found out that there's been three responses. The first is escape. What a tragedy that our Christian culture in the West has preached a gospel of escapism. Now just hear, hear my heart. When things get tight, all many want to do is get out. Um, so much so that we have preached a doctrine that has said when it gets really bad, God's going to come and take you out of it. I don't, I'm not trying to teach a doctrine this morning. I'm just trying to get you to realize the scripture says more about us occupying than it does us evacuating. I mean, if it's going to get bad and God allows us to escape and our response is to get out of it, then those that are still in the problem won't have any hope. Have you ever thought, maybe you've done it, when it got tight, I'm out of here. I'm gone. And so there, there have been people that have not planned for retirement. They've not prepared for the future. Uh, I'm not talking about uh, just living it so freely and openly that you're not any prayer. I believe God's in preparation. Uh, but I'm not preparing for it to get bad. I'm preparing for it to be really good because there's less war, less sickness, and a whole lot of less problems going on than there ever has been in the history of our world. But because you have 24-hour news sources that you're glued to, all you see is doom and gloom. And then what the church has been preaching, and then when people face real-life problems, we have been taught to escape. Let me tell you what escaping does. It only leads you backwards. It will never take you forward. It will always lead you back. Here are the children of Israel, and they're faced with a Red Sea in front of them that they can't swim across. And they feel the, the, the breath of the horses, and they have a desert between them and Egypt. And a, They even tell Moses, they say, did you bring us out here to die in the desert because there were no graves for us to be buried in in Egypt? They wanted to go back. What were they doing? They wanted to escape the tight spot that they were in. Folks, if all we have is a mentality of escapism for the now and for the future, we'll never reach the potential of reaching the world for Jesus Christ. It's the default message. It's the default message that we are hearing. I said a lot of things without saying things just now. But I think it's important for us to understand 
that all you're doing is waiting for Jesus to come. Um, and he's been coming all the time in mysterious ways, uh, even since he uh, was buried and rose again. Um, but the second thing I do believe that I have seen that is a response is denial. I don't have a problem. There's no real problem. COVID wasn't real. Um, it's no big deal. That, that's kind of the denial. Uh, when people are in situations where they're facing things and they need to recover from some type of addiction. Uh, Kathy knows she works with people every day. Those of you who have been through rehab, one of the steps is denial. And people deny that they really have a problem. Um, spoken to several individuals over the course of the last week or two that deny that they have a problem. It's very obvious to us. They're in the middle of it. They can't see it. The problem with denial is you will always stay stuck right where you are. See, escapism wants to take you backwards, but denial will keep you right where you are. You're, you're stuck. I call it the treadmill mentality. See, on a treadmill, man, you're getting after it. You're sweating. You're doing all these works. Oh, I don't have any problem. There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing going on. You're denying all of that, but guess what? You're not going anywhere. The scenery never changes. You're wore out. You're frustrated. You want to quit, but you're stuck. Proverbs, I'm sorry, get ahead of myself. Then the third one is we can choose to endure. You can escape. You can deny it, and then we can choose to endure. That means to go all the way through the situation. I believe, and I have hope, that in some situations, God brings me out. Just re Sometimes he removes the storm, the situation. But most of the time in life, we just have to endure, go through it. This is not running away from it when it begins, and it's not staying stuck in the middle of it, but it's going all the way through it. What you're going to do, what are you going to do when life is squeezing in on you? You're going to try to escape? Are you going to stay stuck in the middle of it? Are you going to go through what you're facing? Where are you going to find your strength to get through? There's nothing to go back to. Listen, I will be honest with you and very transparent. Touch your neighbor and say he's being real. I've been tempted to preach some things to stir the crowd up and to get some attendance and get some giving going because I know how to do that. But there's nothing to go back to. It only leads to going backwards and the kingdom of God is not going backwards. It's moving forward. He may not have brought you to it, but he will bring you through it. <laughs> That's good. Write that down. Tell your neighbor. He may not have brought you to it, but I guarantee you, he will bring you through it. I mean, I, I look at situations. Wendy, God didn't put Wendy's mom in the situation that she's in right now. But he's going to bring her through it. Amen. God, you made some choices. I've made some choices that brought me to the situations that I'm in. God didn't put that on me, but he is going to bring. He is faithful. Has anybody found him faithful to bring you through if you keep finding yourself in the same jam and in the same tight spot, quit making poor choices. That's all I can encourage you to do. If you make 
the same choices, you're going to end up in the same jam all of the time. And I like strawberry jam. <laughs> quit trying to escape it and quit denying it. Endure it. What does it take to make it through? When you're in a tight spot, when you're faced with a situation in front of you that you don't see any way out, it's impossible, and you've got something on the backside that is pressing you in and you can't go back to that, what do you do? Go with me to Exodus 14, stay in that same chapter, and let's read verses 13 and 14 and glean from these verses a few things this morning. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Tell your neighbor, don't be afraid. Sometimes that's easier said than done. We'll discuss it in a second. Stand where you are and watch. You will see the wonderful way the Lord will rescue you today. One translation says the way that he will save you today. See the salvation of the Lord, the King James says. The Egyptians... You are looking at, you will never see them again. Verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. Everybody look uh, around you and say out loud with me, the Lord will fight for you. You won't need to lift a finger. Three things real quick. That was the living Bible. Number one, trust God's plan. You've... Going back to the basics of any relationship, if you are going to be in relationship with the Lord, He is our husband, we are the bride, we must trust that He has a plan. Trust is the foundation of any relationship. I said it at the beginning, I want to reiterate it so you can get it. If you don't trust Him, then you will not be able to believe His promises. It's a plan of deliverance. Salvation here, the word salvation is to rescue from an enemy, to rescue from trouble or illness. It can mean help, health, and welfare. The same root word in Hebrew for deliverance or salvation is used for the name, Hebrew name of Jesus, Yahshua, meaning rescue or to deliver. If in his name is deliverance and salvation, Acts tells us that there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And I believe that that's not just being saved from your sin, but that's being delivered, put in health, put in good welfare, delivered from trouble and your illnesses. Yahshua, Jesus, the deliverer. This verse says he will accomplish it. The plan for us is to watch and see how he works. The great thing about it is now in the new covenant, we are co-laborers with him. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30 says, watch how he does it and learn from him. And in the unforced rhythms of grace, you can bring salvation and deliverance and healing and restoration and redemption to those that you come in contact with. Proverbs 19.21 says people can make all kinds of plans, but only the Lord's plan will succeed. Anybody ever had a plan, try to work that plan for only to see that plan fail? 
by nature, most of us are fixers. We want to fix things when they're wrong. But I believe in this scripture, all we need to do is to watch the way that he does it. He's fighting for me, and he, we won't even have to lift a finger. Hmm, that's good news. You can make reference to Jeremiah 29, 11 and Romans 8, 28 when it comes to the plans of God as well. If we don't trust his plan, we won't believe his promises. We have must learn to trust him in tight spots. Ever played that game where you have a friend and you turn around and you blindly just fall and you've really got to trust that they will catch you? I believe that if you trust the Lord in any and every situation, that if you will just fall back and lean into him, you will just fall into his grace and his plan. His favor is on your life and you will make it through. Key word, through. Don't be afraid. I've come to realize there's often more fear. Check this out. There's often more fear over the unseen outcome of his plan than there is the roar of the enemy. Do you know what I'm talking about? I believe the enemy is defeated. I really consciously am aware that the enemy is only roaring at me. He seeks whom he may devour, but he can only devour those who will allow the uh, adversary and the accuser to fight them in their mind. But the battle's not mine. I've given it over to the Lord. I'm resting and not lifting a finger. But a lot of times I have fear of what the outcome will be. So it, but if I learn to really trust him, then fear starts being removed because perfect love, and he is perfect love, casts out all fear so I can trust his plan that he, his heart for me, his heart and intentions for you are always good. They're never to harm you. They're always to prosper you, to give you an expected end. Um, so why are we afraid? Uh, I mean, I... As we mature, I think that we can come to a place where I'm not afraid of the devil. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark because I thought the devil was coming in the room when the lights went out. But I'm at a place where I've matured and I put away childish things and I believe he's defeated. Didn't say that he doesn't roar at me, but he doesn't have any teeth so he can't bite me because Jesus kicked his teeth in and out. <laughs> Trust his heart for you. Don't be afraid. I believe it's 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, Fix your eyes on things eternal, not on things that are temporary. The eternal is the invisible. The temporal is the seen. And a lot of times we have a fear of what can't be seen. And so when we're in a tight spot, Trusting his plan becomes difficult because fear will rise. Well, what if this happens or what if that doesn't happen? What if they say this or what if they do that? Trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will straighten out your path. Exodus 14, 15. And the Lord said to Moses, I'm not screaming and hollering this morning. I'm just trying to teach you. I just really wanted to come and share my heart from you and make sure that it was an atmosphere that was very calming and, uh, and assuring to you this morning so that you could receive what the Lord was giving to you today. But in Exodus 14, 15, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? 
Tell the children of Israel to go forward. See that word highlighted on the screen? How, where are we to go? How are we to proceed forward? We don't escape to go backwards. We don't deny to stay stuck. We endure it and we go forward. Trust God's plan. Don't be afraid and take the next step forward. Progress is taking one step forward at a time. There's no such thing as a leap of faith. They're steps, putting one foot in front of the other, and that is progress, and sometimes that's slow. And in a microwave society with Instagram, Insta, pot, and Insta everything, it's hard for us to just endure and take one step at a time as he leads. As we move forward, watch this, as we move forward, God will move behind us. And, the play, and then he will place his angels between you and whatever pursues you. Okay. Look at the story. When God told Moses to go forward, when he lifted up his rod, you know the story, and the waters parted, it says that God placed angels. He moved in behind the enemy that was attacking them from the backside and with the cloud. You know, just watch, read the story or watch the movie, Charlton Heston played Moses. But, but the progress of moving forward will cause the Lord to, because he is our rear guard, he will move in behind us, but watch this, he's placing distance between you and your tight spot. That's a prophetic word right there for you this morning. I speak to you and I declare to you, he is putting distance between you and your tight spot. And he's not only moving in behind you to guard and protect you, but as you take the next step forward, he is preparing to remove what is in front of you. Do you know the story? You know, Moses lifts up his rod and the, the wind begins to blow. See, did you ever see that part of the story? It just wasn't miraculous and the wind. God caused an east wind to blow, the scripture says. And why did he cause the wind below? Yes, to separate the waters, but he used the wind, the scripture says, to dry out the ground so that the carts that all of the treasures of Egypt that they had wouldn't get bogged down in the mud. It was a smooth path through to get to the other side with the inheritance that God had given them. Exodus 14, 21 and 22 says, Meanwhile, Moses stretched out his rod over the sea, and the Lord opened a path through the sea. So the people of Israel walked through the sea on dry ground. I prophesy to you today that the Lord is making a way in its dry ground and you will make it through. You will make it through. Come on, somebody. Now, I need to go back to verse 13. Frank and Jennifer, if you would come. I need to go back to verse 13 of chapter 14 and grab something, okay? Will you go with me? Exodus 14, 13. It says that the Egyptians you are looking at, the problem that you're seeing, the problem that you are facing, the enemy that is pursuing you, the Egyptians you are looking at, you will never see again. Can anybody get a hold of that? In other words, the problem in your life that chronic decision that you keep making that leads you to a jam and a tight spot, 
if you will trust God and not be afraid, stop trying to escape and deny it and endure through it, it's not going to be an issue in your life any longer. See, but this is back to the basics because in our relationship, we must learn to trust God. Trust is to have a bold and confident security. Trusting Abba is abiding, I hope this is on the screen, and resting in Him, discerning His goodness and His greatness, feeling protected and embraced by His covenant love, His compassion, and His favor that it has extended to you. That's what trusting is. So if you'll stand with me this morning. I don't do this a whole lot, and I only do it when the Holy Spirit really is prompting me to do so. But as an act of faith this morning, I believe you need to take some steps. And I'm not talking about step one, two, three, ABC, do this, call me in the morning. I'm talking about a step of faith of moving forward as a sign of trusting the Lord that He has a plan for you and that this isn't going to wipe you out. This, this isn't going to defeat you. God's going to bring you through it on dry ground. Hey, don't let a hard season harden you. At least there's some hardness in some of us because we have gone through some hard things didn't let it soften us up and humble us to trust the plan of God and we are hardened so don't, don't let a hard season harden you stop being so quick to depend upon quick fixes quick way out if you're in debt up to your eyeballs it didn't take you overnight to get into that debt and it's not going to take you overnight to get out of it what is coming, listen to me, what is coming to you is better than what you're going through. I don't know who that's for this morning, but whatever you're going through, what's coming is better than what you're going through. Endure. Stay the course. Don't quit. He will see you through. Would you just, uh, just lift your hands and look inward to your heart and begin to worship the Lord, speak, pray, Sing in the spirit right now.